the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Spot Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester along with Paul Peck and the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. We have an action packed show for you here uh, when it comes to money. Yes, action and money. Um, we're going to talk because we're going to talk some odds uh, with the horse race coming up this week. Robert Rayola will be on the director of sports and entertainment from PKF O'Connor Davies. He's been on before. We love having on to talk about the, the tax man, the tax man, tax implications for the rookie draft picks and some of the individual contracts. We're going to recap the draft here in just a second. Shane Costa, NFL agent's going to join us. We're also going to talk about uh, Drew. Uh, Rosen, Josh Rosen, uh, going to Miami, and Paul's going to eat it. That's all coming up on the show. <laughs> want to remind you that uh, we're presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. By the way, remember those names, Morgan Stanley, maybe not in that order. We'll get to that, too, on the show. <laughs> Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment empowers professional athletes and entertainers with everything they need to know about decisions with their finances and wealth. Learn more. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. We have new members of the NFL, Paul, because we had the draft yep. last week. 256 of them drafted, I think is the number. 254. 254. 254. Compensation picks throw that out right. every year. I don't think many of them qualify for Morgan Stanley yet, right? You have to have a well, certain threshold. Well, <laughs> guaranteed yet, dollars. Well, guaranteed that, dollars, right? That is true. Like, <laughs> you know, they, you know, they're not just taking any. Listen, if you're a nightclub act, in your town, they're probably not. I said entertainers. Now mm-hmm. we're talking. There's a when you make it big on America's Got Talent, then they'll take you. That's right. right. That's right. Uh, when you get drafted in the NFL, and maybe you get that. Uh, for most of these guys, you get that second contract. They'll take you. Sure, absolutely. And and, and regardless of that, everybody's going to get some bonuses. Everybody that was drafted, and a lot mm-hmm. of the undrafted free agents are are going to get bonuses. They're going to have checks. Some going to be a lot bigger than others, and uh, and certainly there are always implications about that. And I think Mike, what's interesting, even though. On the surface, you you know you'd say, oh, it's the draft, and no one signed any contracts yet. But your love of the numbers and your ability yeah. to dive into the trends and the the directions that the NFL is going, and I think there's there was a lot of that in this draft, and I think we'll look back on this draft years from now and say there might have might have been a pivotal draft this year. Yeah, what, what what's the legacy of this draft right now? The, the quarterback the quarterback decision with Murray is the legacy in my mind, and and. Okay. Uh, and and we talked about it's this. Not the only one, Paul. What? It's not the only one. I think there there are quarterbacks in this draft. You're right about Murray being number one overall because it's the shortest guy draft, but only right? because of the cause effect approach to it, right? Yeah. And and we, I, we talked about this. I did a little in the course of kind of researching the weekend. Um, Were you, you know, researching crow recipes? Yes, that okay. too. Um, <laughs> it, it, it there's been two other occasions where a team took quarterbacks in back to back drafts, but okay. I think they're both different. Uh, the Baltimore Colts took Art Schleister and then John Elway in back-to-back years, but we knew Elway was drafted to be traded. He was never going to play there. Right. The Dallas Cowboys took Troy Aikman and then Steve Walsh in the supplemental draft right. the following year. Different. But this is the first time ever that a team has chosen a quarterback in back-to-back drafts with their first-round pick, with essentially the reasons behind it was the guy they took this year was better than the guy they took last year. Um, well, and, if they didn't have the number one pick, they, pro- they that would, I don't think it would have happened, correct? Does Murray go number one to any other team? 
I don't think so. That's the question I haven't heard enough. I, yeah, I, I, so there were enough. There was enough that came out where teams were talking about. We had Locke and Jones number one and number two on our quarterback list, and I think there yeah. was probably half, if not more, of the NFL teams that did not have Kyler Murray as their number so, one quarterback. To me, the legacy of this draft right now is that these quarterbacks are absolute what ifs. All of them. Well, it's also absolutely it, 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 all are, of them. Are There's, we changing how we approach the quarterback position? I I think that started with Mayfield I, last year, and 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 let's be honest. Part of the mistake here is Mayfield comes in as an undersized quarterback out of an air raid offense and plays well. So everybody's like, okay, good, get me all those guys, and that's all well and good until the defenses around the league figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then if Kyler Murray doesn't have a very good year, or if Mayfield takes a step back next year, we're talking about get me as the big quarterbacks that you can find so you know here's the fascinating i used to work with this guy um when i worked in charlotte and he actually was a, a money guy uh-huh. a stockbroker but he also did morning radio with us i mean <laughs> and, he's a, and he's a multimillionaire for therapy great guy yeah um uh, danny fontana was his name and he it was syndicated at times on msnbc and stuff uh, with us making money was it was this thing and he used to tell me he used to tell us off the air and on the air nobody knows nothing Mm-hmm. Right. And he goes, what does that mean? He goes, really? Nobody knows nothing like we can do what we think. And, and I look at all the trades that happened yeah. in the draft, 39 of them, a three day span. You had uh, teams move up, teams move down. Um, Denver moved down from 10 and they ended up getting Drew Locke right in the second round. Maybe the move draft is the ultimate. Or, nobody knows. Well, that's, that's my point. Right. Like. Did they make the right move? You can you can say, "Wow, it's great! They got Drew Locke. This guy could be great. He could suck." Yeah. Um, Devin Bush could be great. He could stink. I mean, it's just there's all these things they think they know, right. but you don't know until you actually play the so, game. So let me amend on that because that's sort of the approach I was taking too. Is it seemed like with this quarterback class, nobody knew. Like really, really, nobody knew. Lots of different. Opinions. That's what I mean. Like I don't yeah. know if any other team is taking Murray number one. Maybe Oakland if they're there. Maybe, Maybe. I don't know. But Maybe right. That's a bad look too. So. If they don't, from, the so from if they don't hire Kingsbury, are the Cardinals right. taking them? No, well, that's one. a whole other conversation. Who had the kid from Duke going to the Giants? I don't even uh, want to talk about right? that. Okay, I, I do want to talk I, about I, that. I can't. I can't. Go All right, there. I can't. Stephen A. Smith, this because I think the Giants are being okay. very unfairly shredded that, for this. Let's let's leave it right at that. Okay, because I okay. agree with you. Let's leave it at that. Here's okay. where I want to go because you mentioned the Drew Locke trade. Yeah. to me that was the way to approach this draft because Denver, even if he doesn't work out, nobody's going to care. Correct. If he does work out, it's the move of the draft. If they, it's the move of maybe the last two drafts. If they liked him, at, if they took him at ten, all yeah. of a sudden, right? The, no the, question. We, I think we've anywhere got all the spotlight beyond, on it. Anywhere beyond fifteen, and particularly anywhere in the second round, yeah. the the investment, the pressure, the 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 expectations are completely different. So Denver ends up moving out of the number ten spot to allow Pittsburgh to get their next inside linebacker, which was. I mean, that's about as and that's it, about as natural as the sun coming up every yeah, morning, right? They were desperate to replace Shazie, but right. But, and I say nobody knows nothing, but I mean, he looks yeah. like a good player. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Come on. It's like when Baltimore took C.J. Mosley. You're like, oh, right. Right, that's going to work out. Right. He's yes. going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, and of course, now he's a Jet, so who knows anything? But and how much the, money did he lose going to the Jets in ooh, taxes? Doesn't matter. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll find out about <laughs> he that got in like a moment. Ninety million guaranteed on that. He's <laughs> all know, he's all I set. Know. Anyway, so Denver moves back. Pittsburgh makes their pick. They get. Drew Locke as a second second rounder, and they get a, they get a top one hundred pick next year out of that move. Right? There's no way that's a bad move. There's just no way. Drew Unless Locke, Drew Locke stinks, but he sits he's sitting behind Flacco for a year. He's gonna right. have all the he's gonna have the best approach to make this thing work. And if he stinks, 
He's not Trevor Simeon. He's not Paxton right. and Lynch. And it's a second it's round not pick. That. It's yeah. a second round. That's what pick. I mean. It's not that top that top first round pick that John Roy's just completely flinched on here. Then so. again, down the road, if he does, if he is really good, people will go, why didn't you take him in the first round so you can get the extra year on his No, contract? it's gonna be why didn't every other team take him? Yeah. Right? Why did the Giants take Daniel Jones at number six yeah. when Drew Locke was to me the, it's just the legacy of this draft of this draft this year was tons of wide receivers who phenomenally most teams waited on yeah. smartly. Like there was so much intelligence with this draft. I thought it was. It ended up going pretty chalk because of just teams really kind of figuring out how to make this work. It was intelligence of teams understanding where its strengths and weaknesses were and not going much beyond that. Well, you remember this? What was it? The twenty fourteen where we had eleven wide receivers go in the first two, or, you know, top fifty picks, right? And, and most and were me, traded. And mo- yeah, most, and most teams ended bad. up hating it, yeah. right? Um, this was the exact opposite of that. There were maybe 15 wide receivers that were really, really, you know, well liked on these draft boards, and teams just sort of, you know, involuntarily colluded and said, "We're not doing this. I, I we're we're going to take them all in the second round." I thought back to one of our conversations where you talked about wide receiver becoming the next running back, yeah. in that there are so many of them and they're all good and they're all equal that it's devalued the position to the point where you don't have to take them in the first round anymore. I thought a lot about that when yeah. there weren't any really taken. So let me, uh, on the numbers here, 39 trades. Most ever. Most ever. Only three included a top 100 pick for next year. Which I thought was interesting. I do too. I th- don't you think that's the money? That's what you want, right? Well, I mean, a lot of it, I know a lot of it is about right now, which makes sense. We're in this window. Most of these teams are in the window to win now. But to, is, isn't it worth more? to move them back a little bit and get yourself set up for next year? Well, so, so yeah, so I, I think only three included top 100 for next year because the scouts must believe next year's draft class is much better than better. this year's, yeah. right? Nobody wanted to give it up. I guess that's what yes. I mean. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm pushing for if I'm moving anywhere this year. I, right. I'm pushing in the next year because, yeah, all these things we've talked about, I think I'll, I think most people would agree this was a tough draft. And let's be honest. It's yeah, it, was, it, it lacked... It lacked uh, yeah. Outside of Sizzle? Like that, yeah. Right? Yeah. Even after that first hour Thursday, I was kind of uh, drifting off. You yeah. Know? And and let's be honest now. It <laughs> should have been our draft party. There's we so were. little job security in the NFL that I think there's some hesitancy for general managers to be trading for a pick next year that they may not be making. That's uh, that's the nature of the league. I, I don't even know how to have that conversation. It, it's frustrating. These regime turnovers are frustrating because it completely guts Well, look the team. at the first pick it's, right there. It, it's a regime turnover pick. But it, this can't be good for football. It's not. It, it's definitely not good for fans. It's not good for the players. When are owners going to realize how much money they're bleeding by this happening every three years? I mean, not to mention the buyouts for the coaches, all of the coaches, because everybody gets fired. And, and if that means now a quarterback turnover every time, wh- what are we doing here? And you like, just wasted, no you wasted a, ten, a pick that you traded up to get last year in Arizona to take Rosen to only wheel him out um, for pennies on the dollar, both financially and draft-wise. All right. It was a horrible move, I thought. And, you know, again, you know my thoughts on this, and I am and I know you guys are going to fire me back at it, and, you, and I'm, I'm ready for it. We're going to limp into it. We're, we're, we're going to talk more about um, what was the big trade of the draft, yeah. uh, Josh Rosen. We'll talk more about that later on in the show. We're also going to talk to NFL agent Shane Costa, about underclassmen coming out, which affects things in this draft in future classes, and uh, perhaps uh, uh, some eligible players who didn't get drafted, one that's in, in our neck of the woods. Uh, 49 undra- underclassmen did not get drafted. 40, 49. I got a lot of opinions on this. Yep. I know you, you do too, and look forward to talking to Shane about that. But right now, 
Listen, tax implications, these rookie contracts. There are guys who – you want to talk about luck of the draw? Yeah. Right? We know where numbers are, but the luck of the draw when it comes to how much dollars will you actually net out because of taxes based upon the state where your team plays in. We had a conversation with Robert Rayola, Director of Sports and Entertainment for PKFO Connor Davies. Well, Robert, it's great to have you you back on the show here to talk about uh, what – draft picks in the NFL are going to face tax-wise now that they're going to get these uh, guaranteed and big contracts. And just in general, Robert, I mean, how big of an awakening are these uh, fellas in for? I think that quickly, Kevin, uh, thanks for having me. Great to be back on with you and Mike. Um, What's very important, I think they're quickly going to learn the difference between a gross paycheck and a net paycheck. <laughs> Kyler Murray will be the first pick in the draft, and he, he, will, he will be guaranteed a four-year deal with a team option for the fifth. He'll gross about $35 million after taxes. That's going to be about 20.4. Well, the real shocker is he's come second pick, Nick Bosa. He, he would get about, depending on where the final numbers come out, about $33.3 million. But after taxes, he's going to lose over 50%. He's only going to net 16.6. His mm-hmm. his net number is so low that the, with the proper plan planning, the kid Pharrell from the Raiders, who was drafted fourth, will net out significantly more than he will yeah. if if Pharrell defers some of his bonus at a time when the Raiders but leave the leave the California and go to Nevada. So I would think that probably you know who knows when we do know the Raiders will kick off the, the 2021 season in Nevada, but they may not be. Who knows whether they do their OTAs or not when the stadium is built. But I can guarantee this, with a little creative tax planning and pushing bonus back, Pharrell could net more significantly more than Bosa at the two slot. I really want to see the day, Robert, when we're watching a player in, in the draft room or at home, and he gets picked, and he's got a disappointed look on his face, <laughs> and then he's asked about why did you not look, are you not happy to go to this team? And, and I want to see him say, no, I was really hoping to go to the Texans because it's a non-tax state. <laughs> That's when you'll have really made it, Robert. It's funny that you say that. Mike will probably know the player who was the Dolphins' first-round pick? Was it was it the kid from Clemson, the uh, defensive lineman, uh, big Dexter defensive Will- lineman? Who am I thinking of? Will, uh, no. Wilkins? Oh, Christian Wilkins. Christian yeah, Wilkins. Wilkins. Yeah, yeah. One of the things he said, he's glad to get an opportunity. And oh, by the way, he's so happy because the Dolphins have no stadium capacity. There you go. <laughs> there you see, go. you already got it. there. I, I can't. I'm going to get that <laughs> quote. My, uh, I see my brother-in-law this weekend at a family wedding. Yeah. I was telling Robert before uh, we we started recording the show. I've mentioned these guys, and they're like, ah, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter. It does. That's yeah. a guy who hasn't yeah. even collected a paycheck yet who's saying it matters. So yeah. it should be on. It yeah. should be on the pay stub, right? That that quote should be on that's the pay right, stub that right. goes to every Dolphins player. Like, oh. you know what I mean? <laughs> it's right. incredible. So, and so you know what? Those teams use it. Those teams use it big time. Of course, um, it's leverage. I'm doing some consulting this season with a professional hockey team, and they they've retained me to do some consulting during free agency and talking about ways you know to structure the contract so so their player can get more money and. You do better for taxes than with other teams, and how to how to make that work. So uh, teams know about it. The teams that play in no tax states um, will flaunt it for sure, and the teams that you know ha- have a tax try to get around it in other ways. In some in some sports, you can use signing bonuses to help that. Doesn't work for football, but it's a big difference. And the Raiders will now join the club of the teams that you know are able to flaunt this and make a big difference w- w- with the net to the players in free agency. Uh, Josh Rosen, a big story in this draft. Uh, he's got to be happy not only to get out of Arizona to get right. a chance to start in Miami, but he's got to be happy for your reasons as well too, right? Yes, Arizona has is not a high tax state, but you know he got most of his dough already, and the Dolphins picked it basically taking a risk, and you know not a big risk at all because basically they'll have a one year tryout from him, and if he bombs out, they'll go get two. 
However, the kid from I'm just going to say it. Two of the quarterback from Alabama. I'm not going to even try to pronounce it. <laughs> Mike knows how to pronounce it, but I won't try to pronounce it. I have enough pr- pr- trouble pronouncing Genetti and Genetti, so uh, <laughs> I'll leave that. I'll leave that one out of there. So, but, uh, so do yeah, we. It's a big difference for a big difference for Josh. Uh, no state tax in Florida. Yeah, it's fascinating. You mentioned, uh, and you don't have to mention the team, but that's um, very smart of a team to say, yes, "All right, how, how can you figure out?" how we can save our players uh, taxes here, uh, you know, some tax money. Because there are, especially when you're talking about Canadian teams, mm-hmm. so the taxes that they play in Canada are, are more significant uh, than elsewhere. And the more and more we have shows like this and Robert on and yeah. the chart that he puts out for football, the more and more athletes are aware of this and the more and more it factors in. So my question, Robert, is w- what can teams do aside from having someone like you to offer – players guidance or them guidance on some tips they can give players um teams can do a lot you, you, you know uh, i've done this for, for a professional basketball team before i've done it for another professional hockey team before you can the the, the biggest problem is in football football is not a really a lot that you can do because the, the structure of the contract the language in the contract but the wording in the contract is very important and you know, you take a team, uh, let's say Kirk Cousins, for example, and Mike and I have talked about this a couple times before. I knew last year there was no way Kirk Cousins was coming to was coming to the Jets. People said, well, Robert, come on, you're an accountant, stick to accounting, you know, how do you know? Because Kirk Cousins lived in Michigan. In Michigan, it, was, it came down to between the Jets and the Vikings. And Michigan and Minnesota have a reciprocal agreement. Minnesota's tax rate is, is uh, about 10%, and the Jersey tax rate is now 10 and three quarters percent. But if you live in Michigan and you play in Minnesota, you don't have to pay tax. They have a reciprocal agreement. So he wound up paying tax at 4%. So he used the Jets to get the number higher. And I knew there was no way to come out to, to, you know, for him to play for the Jets. Now, I'm not always right, but in that situation, I was pretty confident that I would be right. So he's uh, saving just o- another- uh, Robert, let me in. So he saved just over 6% sure. uh, in taxes? Right. He saved over 6% because he had built a home in Michigan. And Michigan, so he's not paying Minnesota taxes. He lives in Michigan. They have a reciprocal agreement. Uh, this would have worked with, Saquon Barkley last year. Saquon Barkley, he, he was from Pennsylvania, and if he would have maintained a Pennsylvania residency, he would pay 3.07% plus the local tax, as opposed to 10 and three quarters with New Jersey. Uh, you know, so th- there are big things. In the Super Bowl a couple years ago, I came out with an article with the great Mike McCann of Sports Illustrated, and we said that. Um, you know, the backup quarterback, Garoppolo, who wouldn't even spend spend any time in Minnesota uh, at the game, would make more money after tax than Brady. The reason why, he, he qualified for the, Michael knows, uh, he qualified for the eight games, he had played in eight games, so he would get a full share. And, um, you know, he he wound up not having to go to Minnesota, and he, they got, he got a bigger share of the losing money because he didn't have to pay the Minnesota taxes. So I think the, the gross in that matter, and it's not, it's not like, again, the best gross offer may not be the best net offer. Taxes do matter. Hey, Robert, so is residency a big part of this? Is that something that you're telling these teams to instruct their players to, to really consider and think about, like where these guys should buy a home and live for a couple of years, right? I mean, that seems to be, especially with these bonuses, that seems to be the linchpin here. Um, it, it's it's a big deal. Um, you know, the, the the but but what people don't understand is like people understand okay i'm a florida resident but i'm i'm drafted by the jets and if i'm the first overall pick from the jets the third overall in the in the, in the draft he's going to have to he's going to come to new jersey even if he's not a new jersey resident he's going to pay tax on approximately 85% of the wages from the jets Robert, come on you're crazy why 
When do the Jets practice and play five days a week on a road game in New Jersey and Florham Park? When do they practice and play seven days a week on a home game in New Jersey? So even if he's a Florida resident, he's going to pay tax on his on-the-field income of about 85% of that to New Jersey. That's just the way it is. It's no matter. I don't care if he's a Florida resident, a Georgia resident. That's what's going to work out. If he makes a lot of money off the field, obviously having a Florida residency would be a good thing, and you know his investment income wouldn't be taxed in New Jersey either if he was indeed a Florida resident. All right, great stuff as always. Uh, we kept it short this time, Robert. But next time we have, we'll keep you longer next time. How's that sound? Yeah, I've never been on short of words. Always a pleasure. Great to have. And maybe one of these days I'll figure out. I, I, I figure out my great friend Mike Mike G. As I call him, I'm, I'm, I should know. When I'm Italian. I should get the right name, last name right. One <laughs> All right, Robert. We'll Thanks, see. Robert. Like poking fun out of himself. Thanks for having me, fellas. All right. Paul, I always love talking to Robert, even yeah. though he didn't mention you by name. Sorry, That's okay. I can't that. get over the fact that I made that sort of snarky joke about a player being drafted, and then he came right back with a player that he had the example from Christian yeah. Wilkins. That's <laughs> awesome. You're like Christian, why do you why do you not look happy about going there? Uh, is it because you don't think you're going to start? No, no, I didn't like the tax rate in the state. That's awesome. Well, you know, I I'd be fascinated. I'd love to sit in on Robert's conversations with the teams mm-hmm. on what they can do right to attract players. I wonder if it's well, it's one thing. The marketing's one of it, right? Like recruiting guys that come for free agency and things like that. But I wonder if there's sure. any in-season stuff, too. Like especially with, the, with hockey, a lot of the minor league teams are in different states sure. than, the, than the pro team. So I wonder if there's some maneuvering with the up-down, sending uh, guys up and down to save some, 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 some guys some tax I'll money. tell you a quick example of a player that made more money by being sent to the minors yeah. for a season. Wade Redden. Remember Wade Redden? Yeah, of course. Um, he signed that big deal with the – was it the Rangers? Okay. I want to say it was a, it, it was a, I think it was From the Ottawa Rangers. to the Rangers? Ottawa, yeah, yeah it might have been the Islanders, but I want to say it was the New York Rangers. Uh, forgive me, but he's Ottawa, good defenseman, signs a big contract, and then just, you know, loses the speed. Once it's gone, it's gone, and he couldn't play. And his contract – was so big they couldn't trade it. Mm-hmm. So they moved him down to the minors. Now, remember, in the NHL, if you're on an NHL roster, you pay into escrow right? up to 15% at times, 13% maybe. Well, he didn't have to pay that wow. because he was on an AHL roster. He was wow. not an, on an NHL roster. So he saved his escrow money. I want to say it was 8 to 9% more than he – so they figured out it was hundreds That's of thousands awesome. of dollars more he was bringing home um, because he was not in the NHL. So he benefited from it. Um, by not paying in the escrow, but he, of course, wanted to play in it. And if you might recall, the last lockout, they had two amnesty contracts, yeah, right, that they for, kind of just forgave and, and let them go so they could be free agents. Wade Redden and Scott Gomez okay. were the two players. Two, two ridiculously bad contracts. They're terrible contracts. Gomez was like $8 million. Nobody, nobody wanted to At, touch that, right. right? And right. so they just said, okay, these are wet clean. Maybe that's something MLB should uh... – should consider in this next uh, CBA negotiation, right? Because right? there's some teams that definitely need us man. And and the players were worrying, were willing, if I recall correctly, and I may not be 100 percent right in this, they're willing to say, okay, yeah, get rid of the contract because I just want to play. Yeah, because they still get their money, right? right. The, even they, I they think they a got percentage their of their there's money, a, right? There's a, there's a buyout. There was a buyout. Formula, yeah, yeah. There's a buyout. They they're able to be bought out and yeah. have it be zero uh, to go sign with anybody else. Right. right. So I it benefited the players. They got a 
good chunk of the money that they were right. due, but then they get to go but, get play somewhere. I want to say the teams were able to buy it out and not have it count because it yes. was such a ridiculous cap right about that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's wise. right. All right. Yeah. Someone who deals with this. We're going to talk about Josh Rosen. Just mm-hmm. trust us. We will. Yeah, we will get to that. Dead cap, yeah. Oh, you guys are not going to forget this. <laughs> we I are going to get to that. Uh, we're going to get to a couple of other things. Uh, I do want to mention before we do that, Dynasty Owner, which is the first Dynasty Salary Cap Fantasy Sports game that lets you not only play week to week, but you get to do the contract salaries. You have roster power, both coach and GM. You don't just trade for players. You get to acquire Dynasty dollars when you make transactions, which is the virtual currency used in the game. You can rack those dollars up each week, whether you win or lose the matchup, and you can build your Dynasty long-term from year to year. So, And you know when you play fantasy football, Paul, I know this has happened to you. You, you sit the, you sit a receiver, and you're like, Always. I, don't, yeah. I don't like the matchup, and the, the guy has a stud game. Always. And you're like, I, I, I Oh, I'm out playing this guy because he's going up against the 28th-ranked pass defense of the league, and then my other guy's going That's up against the second-ranked pass defense of the league, and right. then you get screwed by it. Well, yeah, guess what? You, all the time. You're not going to get screwed here, Paul, because you get a percentage yeah, of, of the bench points there, right? You have to have a deep bench to build it. So Dynasty Owner even allows you to go over the salary cap, you will be luxury taxed on that, just like in the real sports world. It's the first game to combine week-to-week fantasy sports gaming with long-term ownership and GM strategy. So stop playing fantasy sports. Own it. Go to DynastyOwner.com. That's DynastyOwner.com. Sign up for the 2019 beta drafts. That's a super fun time to do that, by the way. Yeah. I mean, with all these new guys coming to the league, I mean, th- these are the guys that, that drive the Dynasty Leagues every year, these rookies that come in and, and any of the free agents that move around. I mean, you know, you've got teams right now that have Russell Wilson on a dynasty league at $35 million a there year. There you go. I mean, you need something cheaper like, a, you know, like a Ryan Finley going to Cincinnati. Just to, just to give you a heads up, I think somebody who might be starting next year. Josh Rosen talk coming up. Wow. But first, we're going to talk to the guy who's starting DynastyAgent.com. I'm kidding. He is an NFL agent. Uh, you wouldn't want to deal with him uh, negotiating the game. Maybe you would. He's, we've had him on the show in studio before. NFL agent Shane Costa. Shane, great to have you on again. Uh, have you exhaled since last weekend? <laughs> oh man, it, it was a uh, it was a long weekend. It's fun. It's a lot of work, um, but yeah, certainly the last uh, the last two days have been a lot about you know kind of taking stock of how things went and you know kind of enjoying the moment, especially for all the guys that you know were either drafted or signed with teams or even getting rookie minicamp invites. So yeah, it's it's been. Uh, it's been good to kind of take a step back and enjoy it a little bit. Is the hardest part of your job the and we've talked about when the last time you were on you, the expectations about for for guys? I mean, the, the the challenge in the draft is that the non NFL people set the expectations, and then the players I think start to believe them, and then sometimes the draft goes completely the opposite. So did you have any circumstances over this weekend where you had to talk anybody off a ledge or reset expectations? How do you handle that with a guy who thinks he should go in the second, but you're like, oh, this guy isn't going until the sixth, and then all of a sudden it's the fifth round and he hasn't been picked yet and he's freaking out? Well, I mean, for, for us, uh, setting expectations is everything, right? I mean, you know, having a good handle on where your players valued at by NFL clubs is so important and having those relationships and those conversations with teams, you know, not just in November, December, but also through this whole process is really important. And, and for us and what we do is, you know, we'll take stock of what teams are saying about a prospect in the fall, you know, and we'll always tell a player, tell a client, you know, look, there's some caveats here. I mean, you're going to have to test well. 
you know, you're, we'll give players, you know, the average testing numbers for drafted players and say, look, you need to hit these numbers. If you're not hitting these numbers, you know, it's very easy to fall. And so the other thing we tell them too is like, look, you got a male interview, your, your workouts, your, your, um, your top 30 visits. I mean, there's a lot of factors that can cause things to change, but you know, as long as you're continually updating your client where they stand, the conversations you're having with teams to intense at those expectations, you know, that, that kind of helps, uh, that kind of helps the player understand where they're at. And sometimes those are tough conversations to have, especially if the player doesn't have a great pro day. You know, you kind of got to go to them and say, hey, there's a likelihood you're going undrafted now, or there's a likelihood that you may, you may have to start out as a rookie minicamp guy. And those are tough conversations, but, you know, if you have them before the draft and, and you kind of get um, understandings aligned before the draft, it, it, it helps prevent disappointment. I mean, players are always going to be disappointed if they're not drafted. Um, but, you know, I think those are certainly just conversations you got to have to kind of continue to, you know, maintain that relationship and, and help um, refrain from disappointment. And it's really interesting. The last thing I'll add is for our agency, uh, um, myself and my business partner, Christian Kranz, we had a list right before the draft and we put, you know, our players that we thought were locks to either get drafted or contracts, then our probablys, then our maybes. Um, and we were, spot on with all our players uh, in terms of what we thought would happen and what did happen. So um, it worked out for us just taking stock of everything, but certainly it's, it's easy for things to, to maybe not go that way. And you, know, you feel for those players, you feel for everybody involved. And, um, but look, this is just the beginning, no matter what, uh, um, you know, no matter what happened, whether your first round pick, seventh round pick on draft, it, this is just the beginning, you know, the, the draft is just really the, the starting point. You know, it's easy for people to be disappointed, but look at a guy like Fred Jackson, who we represent, you know, he, he was not only, he was, didn't even sign as an undrafted free agent. It took him cycling through, you know, uh, the Iwindor Football League and those things to, uh, before he finally got his opportunity and, you know, look where he is now. So we tell our players, look, no matter what happened, just go and take advantage of every opportunity and go kill it, and and everything's uh, up to you from there. Uh, I thought one of the real interesting moments of this entire draft for me was the phone call with DK Metcalf being drafted by the Seahawks, and in the middle of balling, he says to Pete Carroll or John Schneider, the GM, why'd y'all wait so long? I thought that was amazing. (laughs) I know. I I loved it. I mean, that was, um, you know – it's really amazing in, in, in that not only that call, but I'll tell you one of the one of the real joys in this business is when you know if a player is getting drafted or he signs a free agent deal and you get to deliver that good news. I mean, that's awesome. There, there's really no feeling like it in this business when you get to tell a young man that his dreams are coming true. Um, and yeah, I saw that. I saw that call, and it was so cool. And uh, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely a, a high point on draft weekend when you get to make some good things happen. You know, sure. what might be a low point, although uh, you know, I'm not in that kind of shape. Pete Carroll taking his shirt off with DK Matt, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what's he like? Eighty though? You got to give yeah. him some. That was actually, what I'm saying. That yeah. was actually at the Ooh. combine. Uh, that was actually oh, at the, the combine. combine. Yeah. Right. Well, right, right, Paul, right. don't let the facts get in the way I of know, a good but story. It, but it, it still was a cool moment. <laughs> hey, Shane, I'm gonna guess that the UDA, the undrafted part of this is a lot harder, right? It's, it's got to be, I mean, you, you said you had a list. You had you had your probably your locks for, for a few guys that were going to get drafted. My guess is that's just a phone call you make and, uh, and it's over with. But after the draft, I mean, my God, after the draft this year, it seemed like 80, 80 of, 80% of the guys were already signed by a team. So my guess is 
you were doing a lot of work uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday here to make sure that your guys had some some avenues to go. Can you kind of lay out that process of, you know, maybe a guy you, you, you were sure was not going to get drafted, but you had to find him some work? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's interesting is it really starts, you know, just like everything else with this process. I mean, the, the groundwork really starts, you know, way before the draft. So one of the things that we do is just research just in case any of our players goes in draft that you just have to be prepared, you know, for that particular position, what the depth charts across the league look like. And then most importantly, what teams are really good at giving their undrafted free agents shots, uh, whether that's reps, uh, not only in preseason games, but also, you know, uh, what teams are more likely to keep an undrafted free agent, maybe over a guy that was drafted in the fifth, sixth or seventh round. And so we have all that information for every team, every position. And we also have how much uh, teams typically spend on undrafted free agents so that we can, um, we can get them the most amount of money. So what you're doing during the draft is just, you know, with every pick that goes by, you know, we have depth charts and we're filling in where teams are adding and where teams aren't. And we have a list of all our players and what teams have shown the most interest and, you know, what teams are saying. So it is a little bit of a disappointment if a team that, you know, uh, you know, really likes a wide receiver client, you know, drafts one in the fourth or fifth or sixth round, you know, that's kind of disappointing because then maybe you shift your, you know, your thoughts to another team if he goes undrafted. Um, and I think like maybe you brought this up a second ago, I mean, it's, if a player's drafted, it's really easy, right? A team calls and says, Hey, you know, we're drafting them and it's great and it's done. Um, but you just have to be prepared in case they, if they do go undrafted so again kind of having all that information a lot of these the thing that's tough is a lot of these deals start to come together in the late rounds anyway because teams will be done picking you know when they start to call and feel things out and you start to to look for the best fits and figure out you know the money the guaranteed money um you know for example this year we were we were really uh fortunate you know we had a wide receiver um, Malik Henry was signed with the San Francisco 49ers. We actually negotiated $90,000 worth of guaranteed money, which is actually more guaranteed money than some of the seventh-round picks. I was just going to say um, this. And it's a three-year deal. So he has a chance to hit um, – so he can renegotiate his deal after two years. So there's definitely some benefits to being an undrafted free agent as well. Um, and, you know, we just tell players, look, no matter what happens, just go be a good football player and it'll all work out. Shane, what, what's – why didn't San Francisco draft him in the seventh round? Well, they were, I believe they were done picking somewhat early and, you know, they wanted to fill out obviously their depth chart. They really liked him. You know, Wes Walker came and worked him out personally down in, oh, wow. in Georgia. Um, they were, you know, we were in constant communication with them throughout the process. And well, teams will often have a bunch of guys that they like, but if they only have seven picks, you know, they still need to fill out their roster. And, you know, if a team's really serious about a player, they'll come to the table with a lot of money um, and, you know, find a way to, you know, help recruit the player and get the agent comfortable with the spot. And, you know, in that, in that particular situation, you know, it really worked out both for the team and the player. Shane, what do you tell an underclassman who – and it, this, they don't just go into this blind, right, when they make the decision. I mean, like there's opinions given, if I'm not mistaken, by the NFL, right? Sure. There's, there's a – First, second, or other. Right. And so underclassmen who are given that evaluation and decide to go in the draft and for whatever reason go undrafted, what do you tell you know that player because they gave up 
you know, in some cases, one or two years of eligibility, uh, maybe, you know, on track to get a degree. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, you know, what do you tell them? Well, the biggest thing is just it's always a disappointment if you go undrafted. For the most part, I mean, you kind of have some type of hope that you're going to be drafted. But for me, and this is my personal approach, if I have a player that goes undrafted, the biggest thing is just getting their mindset right. If you're signing an NFL contract, that means you're on a team and that means you have a legitimate shot to not only make it, but make a career out of it. So as long as you're getting that opportunity, yeah, it's going to sting for a little bit if you're undrafted. But for me, I'm just trying to get a guy right and say, look, let's look at the positives. One, you're an NFL player. You know, you're going to get a shot. You know, the the second thing is you've signed a three-year deal. So there are some undrafted free agents because they signed a three-year deal they get to negotiate their second contract a year earlier than everyone else. So let's say if you have a player that goes undrafted, um, you know, Leo Collins is a great example. Uh, he was projected to be a first-round pick, you know, for, for certain reasons he fell undrafted. You know, he, he got to essentially uh, negotiate his – he got a lot guaranteed in undrafted free agency because it was, a, it was a unique scenario. But a player of his caliber who was maybe a first-round talent goes undrafted you can redo the deal after two years. Alan Hearns is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, he renegotiated the deal, signed an extension after only two years in the league. I mean, he was getting paid like eight, nine, ten million a year. So he was making more money than just about anybody in his entire draft class. If you're a first round pick, it's a four year deal. The team has the fifth year option. And then if you, you can get tagged twice. So it's a long time before maybe you can get a chance at free agency or that second contract. So you want to talk to them about the financials too and say, look, a lot of free, uh, undrafted free agents have taken advantage of the fact that, um, you know, the contracts are three years. You know, you can get tendered at the first or second round level, and that's a really good tender, and then hit unrestricted free in the following year. So there's a lot of benefits. You just got to keep positive and say, look, don't, don't ever forget that the league passed up on you. But keep in mind that there's a ton to come out of this that's really good. And, you know, I think as long as you do that and kind of get the mindset right um, and, and the player understands that, you know, there's – it's just – yeah, it, it's a it's a tough start. But, look, it, it's just a start, and, you know, it's where we finish that matters. We'll get you out on this real quickly. Um, in your opinion, just sort of how you process your off season, is the draft too late in the year now? I, you know, it's funny. I talk to teams about this every year. It probably should be like two to three weeks earlier. Um, from a media standpoint, I get it because, you know, you have the combine late, but you have the Super Bowl, then you have the combine, and what's now really the beginning of March, and then you have free agency a little while later, then you have the schedule release, and then you have the draft. So it kind of keeps, really keeps the NFL at the forefront. I mean, just about 12 months out of the year, really. Um, so I, I understand from that standpoint, I think most teams, especially, you know, the, the work's already done, you know, and you're kind of waiting these last two weeks, like, all right, well, the draft boards are set, you know, teams know what they want to do. And it's really just a waiting game at that point, which can be kind of tough, but you know, it is what it is. I wish it was maybe two weeks sooner, but I don't think they're going to move it anytime soon. No, they got the TV window, the media part, uh, too much money to be made there. My point in bringing it up real quick is just I wonder if that – because I agree, there's like a two-week gap. And you know what fills that two-week gap? 
is guys like us getting on microphones and ruining some of these kids' lives. Yeah. Like, literally ruining their lives we on social not, media. We did not ruin anybody's life. I'm going to stay out of it, but okay. look at There was we plenty being said, and I just wonder if that gap needs to go away because, you know, if it was a quicker process, right? If it was bang, bang, workout, workout, interview, interview, draft, then we could talk about these guys after the fact, but they're already in the pros. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I think in general, you know, and a piece of advice that I give to – to you know, my players is to the best of your ability, try away. and not Google your <laughs> name and look up your draft stock or search your name on social media because I mean, it's never the players, Shane. Like it's always the people that. around the player. Yeah. I don't even do it now. They've Shane. all got Google alerts, man. You know it. You know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know I've had I've had times and and it's it's with great intentions, you know, that I'll have parents, you know, call them and just say, man, I'm bummed out. You know, someone's giving him a hard time that he's not a good player on Twitter, you know, and it's just, it's, it's understandable because these fans forget that these, these, these are human beings. They're, they're players. You know what I mean? They're, they're just like you and I, and you know, it's tough for them to see that criticism bottom. It fuels some, I mean, look at Baker Mayfield. I mean, his criticism yeah. uh, from, from various entities has fueled him and, and, you know, in, in a great way. Um, and it, it's tough for me. I, so I tell players, I'm like, look, just try and unplug the best you can. Ignore it. It's not what the media thinks about you. It's not what a writer's thinking about you. It's what teams think about you, you know. And then after that, you get to prove everybody wrong, even mm-hmm. your own team, um, if you feel they didn't draft you high enough. I mean, Thurman Thomas, mm-hmm. I think to this day, still carries a, a chip on his shoulder that he wasn't drafted <laughs> high enough. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, famously, right? So, yeah, just don't tweet that uh, to him. You'll get you'll get carved. <laughs> spe- speaking of Bill's running backs, oh, uh, gosh. all of the Twitter angst needs to go to LaShawn McCoy right now, by the way. Uh, keep, don't keep it away from the kids right. and send it to LaShawn McCoy. Right yes, now. yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, he spoiled. I I haven't seen it yet. My kids have. He spoiled end game. That's going to end our game with you today, Shane. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Our thanks again to NFL agent Shane Costa. Uh, some good insight there on the undrafted stuff. And, you know what I wanted to ask him, and we'll get. Well, we'll do why this. did you ask him? <laughs> well, because we were running out of time. You, you know, no, we've, it's a podcast. We to go time in the to world. go back to the undrafted <laughs> one. You know, and and again, it's not necessarily what Shane's involved in, but. Who convinces these kids to come out? Who yeah. convinces the 49 kids that were underclassmen that didn't get drafted? What's the process? Who are they listening to? Why are they listening to people like that? Because clearly, I think you could strictly black and white say, if you didn't get drafted, you made a bad decision. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, one close to home. Uh, there was two, you, uh, one UB Bowl player in particular, the quarterback, Tyree Jackson, still at eligibility. Who, who even nationally had kind of gotten on people's he was radar. The, right. He was the only underclassman quarterback quarterback not to go which it was stunning mm-hmm. stunning stunning because um you know he, he got it but he got his degree um he got it you know evaluated mid-round mid-round evaluation mid, mid-round evaluation yeah. so you speculation should, well speculation still, still. right you know usually when that happens there's uh you know a scarlet letter somewhere yeah but there doesn't you know he's had knee problems in college mm-hmm. so uh, that's my only thought was like, well were people concerned about that but yet Buffalo signed him. Now you could argue, yeah. you know, is that the Bills throwing the Bulls a bone, right? Maybe uh, signing the guy. I, I don't think that uh, that happens as much as people want to believe it does. I I think the Bills are, are genuine in that they 
they see the potential for him, uh, particularly as an undrafted guy. He went to the Senior Bowl and performed really he well. He was the MVP of the South <laughs> right. team at the Senior Bowl. Right. He was one of the yeah. combine The other MVP stars. was drafted by the Giants he's, six overall. He's got the Jordan Palmer stamp of approval. He's been on, he was on ESPN's Draft Academy, one of six players focused through the process. But nobody so, knows what nobody knows or nobody's saying why he wasn't drafted. Um, right? Yeah. Real quick, here's my theory. And for those people that don't know, I'm actually the play-by-play voice of Buffalo football. So I, I know Tyree, dealt with him, seen him throw every pass he's ever thrown. Um, I'm shocked. And NFL people that we talk to are shocked that a six foot seven, 250-pound quarterback who runs a 4-5-9-40, who has one of the strongest arms in the country, just on that doesn't get drafted because everything I've ever learned of covering the NFL draft for 30 years is those are the things that usually get you drafted. Here's my theory. He's a, he was a project, and I think everybody admitted he was a project. He isn't ready to play yet. He's not even ready to be anybody's backup quarterback yet. So now a team that drafts him basically has to redshirt him. They have to say, not only are we going to let this kid learn, but we're going to keep him on our roster as a third quarterback, of which about half the teams in the league don't do. They only keep two quarterbacks. So you are making a commitment to him in a league where there's not a lot of patience and quarterback coaches don't say, I don't have time to teach this kid. I need a guy that can be ready to play now. I think that hurt him a little bit. Um, and I, and, and, I, and I think ultimately it becomes down to sort of a roster spot where you're going, you know, who's willing to have that kind of patience with them. Let me push back a little bit. There were 11 quarterbacks drafted, and I think 10 of them are projects. But now be specific here. Ten. Three in the first round, right? Two in the first round. Two. No, you had two three. In the no, first you had round. Haskins. Oh, Haskins, Haskins. Three in the first round. Only two quarterbacks were taken in rounds two and three. That's a very mm-hmm. consistent trend in but the NFL. That proves my point, though. So, the rest so, of them no, are definitely My, my point is when you get to the fourth, fifth, and sixth round, you're rolling the dice for backups at best. Okay? Now continue your point. I don't really have another point outside of this was not a great quarterback class to begin with, and the, and the numbers clearly showed that because of everything you just said. Right. I mean, Daniel Jones is not starting this year, I don't think. Don't be surprised. Daniel Jones is not starting this year. <laughs> I'll say don't be surprised. Don't uh, be surprised. You think So you think all three first Quarterbacks start. picked sixth overall start at some point. If, listen, all if, three, you think. If Eli, starts, if Eli starts throwing ducks. Oh, yeah. Haskins for sure. Yes? Haskins probably yes. from, pretty close to yeah. yeah. Yes. Ha- yeah. See, I, I think we're getting away from that. I think I think teams are looking at this money, the money that I look at every freaking day, and I look at thirty five million for Kyler Murray, and I'm I'm not even I'm not even a little bit surprised at that. I would put that in the, on my bench for two years. I would put thirty five million on my can't bench for two years. Do it anymore? You can't you, do you it. You can. It's a one hundred and ninety million dollars salary cap. You can do it. You can you do can't, it. You don't. Nobody does that anymore. You, every quarterback drafted last year in the first round started most almost all of them from day one. Except for Josh Allen, look at well, Lamar are, Jackson didn't either. Okay, Shane right. laid it out in his in his piece with us, and, and I've laid it out here before. This is a seven year league. It's a seven year league. It's four years, a fifth year option, and two franchise tags. And we're there are teams who are going to start locking that in, just like the Steelers don't guarantee salaries. There's going to be teams but, that make that their structure. All right, so let's go back now. Here, here's the thing with Tyree. You were talking about under under uh, Classman. Yeah, he 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 was he, he couldn't do any more at UB in in the MAC in his conference in my opinion so you think leaving a lot of people right said decision. he should have gone should have gone back and refined his game I, I actually really well. think that might be the reason he's not drafted because there was they, that dialogue so strongly being said the decision to go back was was tough he was kind of 50-50 
When you start hearing that, maybe it's in his head that he's not ready. Right? But I can argue with Kevin's point no. where he threw 30 touchdowns and was the Mac offensive player yeah, right here. What more is he going to he be terrible able to December. do? He had a terrible December. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he did terrible. have a bad. Yes. He finished terribly. The, the only thing, I, this is my, um, the only thing, I, when I watch him play. By the way, I, Daniel Jones got beat by somebody like 55 to 6 oh, too. Yeah. So I don't there's buy no, there's a no bad numbers. game here or You're there You're as having any draft impact. He, yeah. he, the criticisms that I have of Wake him. Wake Forest it was. By the way. It was he just threw the deep ball too much, the home run ball to Johnson. Yeah. right? Of and, which he was and, one of the better players in the country at yeah, throwing the deep what's ball. The, is the NFL no, a deep ball right. league anymore? Right. No. It's an, an no. eight-yard league. And it's it not, reflected poorly on his completion You're right, percentage. Kevin. It's not a deep ball league, yeah. the NFL. It is dink and dunk, quick passes, accurate passes, and, and that's not his strength. Yeah, uh, That's the project part. The other thing is – his pace of play be. reminds me of who's the quarterback the Bills drafted there that get out of Florida State? Is it EJ, EJ Manuel? Manuel? Reminds me of EJ Manuel a lot. Mm-hmm. He he does. Um, so, big guy can move right, athletic progressions though. But but it just doesn't. EJ Manuel to me just didn't play the game quick enough. Yeah, I I think going forward, the reason we're spending so much time on this, not just because he's a local kid, but also. It just seems silly that any quarterback doesn't get drafted now, right? I mean, he, the the bonus he got or the guaranteed money he got as an undrafted free agent is right in line with a seventh-round pick. So right. he's essentially a seventh-round pick without being a seventh-round sure. pick. So the money's still there. It's just it seems silly that I, I know Shane spoke to having to fill rosters. Yeah, that's You can do that anywhere now. The, right? the best right? thing can he do can do, anywhere. the best thing he can do is in, now that he's on an NFL team, yeah. uh, Get the mechanics down. Work on those things. And Spend work, the year in the practice squad. Work his butt off, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if he gets a refund from Palmer or not, but <laughs> you know, I would ask <laughs> for good one. Question. I would ask for one, frankly, because I'm sure it's not cheap. Well, I, I initially saw right? that he signed almost immediately. He was one of the first announcements that he signed with the Bills, and I it threw me off because you know this is a team that has three quarterbacks already on the roster. But so they, but two, two of them one are older, though. but one who's ancient. Two, right, two right. of them are are you know Barkley and Derek Anderson, Derek veterans, Anderson, right? But they do need a practice squad guy, so that made sense. But then, sure. two and everything you just said aligns with this. It, it really is a Josh Allen sort of situation here. Everything you just said was also They're Josh Allen's protocol last comparisons. year. Comparisons: deep ball, big arms, missed a lot of short throws, lesser competition, maybe a little slower with progressions, which is why he ran so much last year. So it's very possible that you know four or five months in in practice in camp with this kind of coaching around Josh Allen could be very beneficial. And let's not overlook something that Chris Mortensen tweeted out. His arm's not Josh Allen's arm, though. No, but it's not that far off. Let's not overlook something Chris Mortensen said, which was in a a year where a 5'10 quarterback is the first overall pick, he... A kid like Tyree Jackson fought some perception that the big quarterbacks like Osweiler and yeah. haven't have been, and it may be as simple as that. Could be. It, it that's don't think that everything in the NFL comes from factual based analysis and research. It might just be somebody going, ah, big quarterbacks aren't good anymore. All right, I want to I want to say this about um, we're gonna we're not gonna spend all this time on Tyree Jackson because really people in Buffalo care about that. Um, but under, undrafted underclassmen who yeah. declare early and go out, people are like, oh, the system's flawed. And like, you know what? Hogwash. You, you get it, garner opinions, you make a decision. You're an adult, okay? And you should listen to your college coaches. You should take everybody's opinion uh, under a play and you make a decision. It did not pay off. Hey, that is life, okay? People make risks to start businesses and fail all the time. 
So why should these guys be protected anymore? And people say, well, the colleges make money on it. No, it's an exchange. They're exchanging your work on the field for a college education in a field where you can make a living. So I don't have, I'm sorry, it may sound cold hearted, but I don't have sympathy for guys who decide to walk away from that to go try to make millions in the NFL and they don't get drafted. Doesn't mean their career's not going to work out, mm-hmm. but they took a risk and they should own that risk. It's a very, I know you said, I know you think they're adults, but they're, I, I bet they're barely hey, adults. If they can, if they can vote. Here's the thing. And, and they have adults around them, including those they trusted but to go play for. Sometimes those are co- the worst people. Yeah, but but listen, <laughs> yeah. uh, college coaches. Um, don't do it, enough. Maybe they don't. Don't do enough. Maybe Kevin. they don't. But there Different are people, agendas for don't college do enough. coaches. There are people but, in that program. There are people in any program that should have the best interest of the individual at play here, and they should be able to give a kid great, honest advice. Like, look, you need to play more here, not because we need you to win, because you're not ready. My guess is the agents are way better at selling it all the time. Yep. Or the, fa- the or, or the family members that are, or the people that are around them who have agendas. And, and have, let's be perfectly you know, fair. There's not a lot of Shane Costa agents out there. <laughs> sure. That's a dude right there who would look a kid in the face and say, you're not ready. If you're willing to come out and be an undrafted free agent, I'm your guy. But if, but you know what I mean? Well, and to your point. But there's a lot of guys probably right. walking in there saying, hey, you're probably a fourth, right. fifth round pick, which is like 150 million, you know, a thousand guaranteed off the bet. He, Nobody's saying no to that. And, and here's, <laughs> here's something for uh, every athlete. Uh, football players, particularly if you're listening to this, if you've learned anything, and Mike alluded to it in our conversation with Shane, is that two weeks leading up is just uh, guys like us ruining people's lives. Listen, the draft Knicks, yeah. draft experts who go on any media, any show, they're not in the front offices in the, in the NFL. Right. They're not the ones making picks. But that ship has sailed, Kevin, and I agree with you 100%. The, the, the thing that maybe frustrates me the most about the draft is is it's determined by people who are not the ones who have yeah. done the work and the research. So the Mel Kuypers and everybody else in the world well, sort of tells you what should happen. And then when it doesn't happen, people freak out about it, and you're like, well, wait a minute. Maybe what he was telling you should happen was never really based in reality anyway. Well, I think you need to be fair to Mel um, I've only interviewed Mel once, person face to face, but he does a ton of work. I, yeah. I'm not saying it. he doesn't, but it's his opinion, though. But your point still holds up. His he's opinion. Not, he's not in the front office. Correct. He's not making the big boards with the GM. He hasn't been either. Yeah. A, a guy like Greg Gabriel has, who does Pro Football That's Weekly's right. draft. Right. So, I, like, I, I, you know, his opinion weighs more to me than does Mel. Mel sells it well. Let, right. let me let me finish this segment. But he has a bigger but, platform. But he does a lot of work. He's not just throwing oh, crap yeah. against the wall. I, I think that's fair it's, to say. Yeah, he's not just a, a, a couple of tweets every now and then. He does the homework. But All right. Let me finish this segment on this. Yes. Because I actually read a piece, you're not going to believe it, from Nick Saban regarding this. And my initial thinking when I started to read it was, why is Nick Saban talking about underclassmen shouldn't be coming out? And then I started thinking, well, there's a few agendas for him. Sure. But he... I actually appreciated that it was him having this conversation by the end of it because, of course, he wants guys to come back so he can continue to win championships. But he can get championship players. Yeah. I mean, he, he can he get one no and trouble filling those he spots. Get, right. So I, I took that out of my out of my mind immediately. He, he genuinely he he's in such a like a higher class here that it's like John Calipari, right in Kentucky with basketball. He's not trying to get guys drafted. He's trying to get guys top one hundred drafted. And if they're not, it's an insult to him. 
it looks bad on him if there's a fifth round Alabama kid. And there's tons, there's a lot of them this year. Right. So that was his reasoning for coming forward because the last two seasons, so many guys have jumped ship out of Alabama because there's these agents are in their ears saying, hey, you know, fourth round pick, 150 grand. He doesn't want that. And he's now come been vocal about it saying, myself included, we've got to do a better job as, as college coaches to, to, to take away the narrative that we just want to continue to win. But he actually brought in draft spot, guaranteed money. And also what you said, Kevin, look, these guys leave Alabama and there is a there is promise and hope of get your rookie deal done now so you can get that second contract. And I swear, he was as in-depth as, I, as I've read an analyst be in-depth. That's like Tony Robbins saying listen, though, money go, money doesn't buy you happiness. But, Tony Robbins listen, is loaded now. But listen, it, was, <laughs> it, saying, right? it wasn't I about mean, that. It wasn't about go get your money. It was No, I know. He's you're won, not, though. It was half the guys aren't getting that second contract. Correct. Anymore. He was so astute with this, and he's dead right. Should there be we've a— gotta, We've got to stop selling, be a six-round pick, and then you'll get paid. Those days are probably gone, like literally gone, gone, gone. Should if there you, be a way to get back in like no, the NBA no, does? No, no, I think no. But so does, so does baseball. Right, baseball allows you to say I'm I'm going to get drafted by the Arizona Cardinals number one, but I'm going back. I'm going to finish college first. Why? Why not? Because they draft them so much younger, though. But that would that would fix the middle cla- middle class problem. All right. Well, that's that's for uh, another time. Let's talk about Josh Rosen. Okay, it's a it's a great topic. Um, but we just have a couple more things to get to. Yep. All right. Um, because I keep promising Josh Rosen. Let's get it. So traded to the Miami Dolphins. Uh huh. Um, no shock that he was moved. Although he did say, hey, if they keep me, I will compete against Kyler Murray. He has said everything. He has done and said everything right in the last Which, seven. by the They're way, apparently apparently him. former Panthers receiver mm-hmm. Steve Smith did not I thought see that, that was completely off base. I, I couldn't agree Steve with you Smith's more. Steve Smith's criticism was completely off base. By the way. Anybody's criticism of Josh. He's been great. By the way, Steve Smith may not remember how he was when he was a young <laughs> player. I covered him as a rookie when he played with the Carolina Panthers. And I'll never forget the day that a veteran wide receiver, whom I will not mm-hmm. name names, Ran and pulled him by the collar and said, "Get your ass back here and talk to the media." Mm. So I like it. Yeah, I liked it too, and I thank I like the it. receiver, the veteran receiver who was much bigger than Steve Smith, who made him do it. <laughs> um, he, he had an attitude when he came in; like, great player. I mean, unbelievable. That is what made him a great oh, player. Ship, unbelievable yeah, player out of Utah, right, Steve yeah. Smith? Yeah. But his comments about Rosen were unfair, I thought, and just really off base. Because Rosen did do everything right just here. Just ignorant of how the NFL works, which Steve Smith should know, <laughs> right. that, that you know you're never going to leave. No team is going to want Josh Rosen there in the same room with the guy that you picked ahead of him because you basically said, Josh Rosen, we don't think you're any good anymore. Isn't this a great situation for Rosen, though? Yes. He's going to play with Fitzpatrick. Maybe. Right. You think Fitzpatrick's gonna be cut? It's 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 certainly possible. Nah, I think it's Fitz certainly is there. possible. I think he's there. Yeah, me too. But I think it's possible. I, mean, I think it's possible Eli's cut too. <laughs> Just so nah, while we're on that conversation, um, <laughs> not gonna happen. But Cash what did happen? Cash. What did happen? And we should have led with this. Um, was Paul saying, no way this is ever going to happen. Now, this was an epic episode. Now, that was a couple of months ago. Let's uh, let's be I mean, honest now, but, yeah, but I, I own it. I'll yeah, but you've it. doubled down a few times. Yes, well, you have. Yeah. I'll own it. True. I own it. And, and, and as I said to you guys, I said the reason I doubled down was because I – 
I just <laughs> two things happened that had never happened in the hundred year history of the That's NFL, right. and I wasn't ready to assume they were going to happen until I saw them you happen. Not only, and they did. You not only doubled down, you like had the twenty five thousand dollar on the credit card mortgage on the house, <laughs> took the eighty six grand no, on Tiger Woods no, double no, down. No, I wouldn't right? do that. We had to turn the volume down at his mic. That's how that's how double down he here, did. Honestly, <laughs> and here's what surprised me the most. What surprised me the most was an such an overt endorsement of an unproven coach. Yeah. And that just, as much as you think it does, I think there was a perception around from fans was, well, they got to give him who he wants. Yes. No, that doesn't happen very much in the NFL. It really doesn't. I guess my question is, and, and we won't know this for years, uh-huh. Murray's that much better than Rosen? We'll never know. We'll never, never know, we'll right? Never know. We'll never know. Well, maybe maybe we will know. I think you could argue because he's so unique in his size and style that the chances of him being better than Rosen are longer odds than they might be if they had taken another six-foot-three-inch quarterback. Can't, you can't even evaluate it. Rosen was on such a yes, dumpster fire of a yeah. team last year. Right. I mean, who succeeds on that team? I want to go back to your point because it's the regime again. Who's the most powerful? Who's the most powerful entity now in this league? It's a coach. Is it the coach? Yeah. Is it? That's, well, it goes back and forth. Or is it the quarterback? <sighs> oh, that's a great question. Because Aaron well, Rodgers got a new coach. That's a great well, question. I, well, hold on. It depends uh, on where. Do you have to be thirty-five and depends, proven? It depends where you're at. Yeah, if you're a proven quarterback, you hold all the cards. Hey, so, look at the Steelers. Look at Ben Roethlisberger. So, basically, dictated the trading no away of it. I, I think you're right. I think it's quarterback. But, but, but if but, you're but, a new coach, you hold all the cards. But it's only a quarterback on this rookie wage scale. So is the rookie wage scale the problem? Because the reason this happened is because Josh Rosen is dirt cheap. Because sure. you could easily get rid of number ten overall. It's like fifteen million dollars. You well, could, anybody's going to move on from that if they want to. Well, there's not going to be any any team in the league that's going to argue against that. But is it too cheap? Is the rookie wage scale too cheap? I've said it three times on the show. It, is the, isn't this proof in the pudding? Isn't this proof that if a number 10 overall last year is gone the year later and there was really not even a, th- a thought about the money? Total proof. Nobody even cared about the money. All right. So isn't it just like baseball? Right? And how so? Uh, Aaron Judge is making... $600,000, right? Uh, yeah. Roughly. And what's Aaron Judge market value, really? Yeah, 30. $30 million. Yeah. All right? But he can't get that because he, he's playing under the union-negotiated contract with Major League Baseball. He'll get it. He's got to work at it. For Rosen or Murray, they're going to get it, right, When if they perform. If they perform. I, I, can't, I can't find the translation there. I can't find it because, why, why, why can't? because the quarterback is so singular. It's such a... It's so powerful. It's so powerful that we paid you $10 million, but we're done. That's how powerful the quarterback is. Right well, it, but if you're good enough. We, we paid it, you 10 but we're, we're, we're ready to pay this guy 35 <laughs> You're powerful, talking about Rosen. That's how powerful the well, quarterback well, is. Well, hey, but it, it's where they're drafted overall. Maybe that's the issue. But not really. What Rosen was drafted what? Uh, Ten. Tenth. For fi- like Murray million. was drafted number one but, overall. But is anybody gawking at $35 million for four years? No. Who in the league isn't going to pay that? Correct. Everybody. Correct. Okay. I, 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 guess, I, I'm, I guess I'm trying to find what's, the, your, the, what's your point against we're this. Moving in, we're moving into a situation right now where we're going to have maybe more than half the league of quarterbacks on a rookie wage scale. We're getting there. We had, what, five last year? Two, three this year maybe, sure. according to what you guys think? So, That's eight. So teams are finding a way. Well, for, let me. They're let abusing me, the rookie wage scale. <laughs> teams. Let me. Teams that want to win, right? But that uh, shouldn't be how it is, Kevin. 
the, what, the, the teams that want to win. Teams that want to win shouldn't be shouldn't be able to draft a guy, pay him almost nothing, and win. Well, could, well because then me, what does I, it mean to be a veteran? What does it mean to make thirty million? You, they're not going to. They're not going to win right away. You think the Cardinals are going to win right away because they've got Kyler Murray's quarterback? Is Baker Mayfield going to win the Super now, Bowl? Now Baker May Baker. That's year two. He's got a contender. Patrick Mahomes might win it. Year what? three. But what do they do around it? They built a team around it. Because what they you, can. Because well, yes, but because that's they the can. Problem. Why is that a problem? Because they're they're able to abuse the, the rookie quarterback pay to rebuild the rest of their team and keep all of their salaries down. I guess we'll all of them. I guess we'll find out with the Rams, right? They'll be the first one in this scenario, yeah. right? With Goff. Oh, and well, the Eagles with no, Wentz, Wentz, right? Is getting money. So he's going to get. So he's getting money. I guess my point is, if the quarterback's good enough, yeah, they're going to pay him. If he's just okay, they will move on. This is unique, and this is unique. That's why Paul was so like, "No way, this is going to happen." This is this is a completely unique situation. If it becomes a trend, then we'll be like, "Huh, okay, this is interesting." But I, I think if the quarterback is good enough, mm-hmm. where they can get into the playoffs and they feel they can win the Super Bowl with the player, they will sign that player, and then they got to figure out how to fill him, fill around him with the rookie wage scale pay and, and young players. All right, players. I'm going to leave you with one quick scenario. Dak Prescott will be interesting. Uh, Daniel Jones takes over for Eli Manning this year. Okay. Doesn't play well. Giants stink. Have the number one pick in the draft next year with Justin Herbert, who a lot of people think could be really the best quarterback prospect really? in the last Not five Tua. years. Better than well, because he's six four and athletic, and he's again he fits Left-handed the mold better. Quarterbacks don't win could, in the NFL. <laughs> could that is that a scenario that that has a possibility? It's been where done the now. Giants go. You know what? Daniel Jones didn't play very well. We don't have that. Let, let, let's <laughs> okay. take the next guy. This, sure. This offseason yes. has created new precedences for everything. I mean, the Giants traded OBJ after paying him twenty two million dollars last year. Antonio Brown demanded to be out. He's out the door with a new contract. We. I mean, the only scenario that has already been done that hasn't been repeated yet is the Redskins, right? Let's not leave the Redskins out of this conversation because they did something that nobody might ever do again. They drafted two starting quarterbacks in the same draft in four rounds. Yes. Who's going to do that again? And kept them. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and the second guy wound up being the better and one. kept them. <laughs> right. So that's the only thing well, I can see that, that would, uh, you know. The other first guy might have been the better one if they didn't put him back in to blow out his knee. Well, yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, that's the Redskins, though. All right. So, like by the way, Paul's buying us lunch yes, at some I am. point. And it won't be PBJ. Uh, stick with that. Hey, uh, one other NFL note. I'm like a Lannister. I always pay my debts. Very nice Game You're of welcome. Thrones reference there. Oh, real quick. I want to talk about this international pathway program real quick. I had a couple of users reach out about this. Uh, it's a really interesting situation. I'll give it two minutes. So... You know, obviously the league's been global. There's some global players starting to come to the league. So the, the NFL actually put in a process that allow this hap- to allow this to happen. It's called the Pathway Program. And there's some real neat, neat structure to it. There's a 14-week training program, which that's, that's intense. But you, you know what it is? It's to actually teach American football, right? Because a lot of these other, you know, these countries, sure. they don't they Rugby watch. sevens, whatever. Yeah. 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 These athletes, freak athletes who play these other sports, they don't really understand the ins and outs. Certainly not the strategies and, and the X's and O's of, of football. So it's a really intense 14-week program that leads up to, like, the March Pro Days and things like that. So then you go through an actual Pro Day once you graduate from this program, and you're able to be signed sort of like an undrafted free agent. So this year, the Bills signed a running back, uh, Christian Wade, out of the United Kingdom. Crazy rugby player. He retired. I guess he's a freak athlete. He's going to be a running back in the league. He's going to try to be at least. They signed him to the standard undrafted contract, which is three years, no guaranteed money. 
Here's what's going to happen, though. He's not going to make the 53. You know, he's just not going to. Those guys, they need time. He's, he's a project. But the, the, the NFL actually set up an extra practice wild spot for these guys. The 11th spot doesn't count. It won't count at all to the Bills roster, but he can't be brought up at all either. He's locked in. So he's ineligible to be brought onto the, onto the team. He's basically a red shirt. So he gets the red shirt with the team for an entire year, work out, learn the system, learn some of their, learn the ins and outs of football a little more. And then, you know, he's got two more years on his, uh, on his entry level contract and go from there. So it's, I, I love the way that this is being structured. I think global, a global effort is, is nice. Um, here's the question. Does it, does it, is this going to catch on? Is this going to be like the next way to find, cause this happened in basketball. They, they built a way for this to happen in basketball and, and to usurp the draft for a while. Remember this? It's brilliant to, 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 to give people overseas in non-NFL countries a reason But is to this care. the next loophole, is my point? Oh, is well, this the next loophole? Probably. That Bill, Bill Belichick's going to start using to probably. find these, these by, diamonds By the, the way, rough? I'm chuckling. To my, every time you said 14-week program, I'm chuckling to myself thinking of a line from Stripes, right? So a 14-week program, but that's perfect for me, a 14-week program. So this means yeah. the Usain Bolts of the world can be brought into a team? Right? Sure. Yeah. Right? Fascinating. It's publicity. Yes. It's a publicity move. That's really what it is. Right, so what's of, the likelihood of any of those guys ever really becoming good players? Very small. Slim and none. Speaking of thoroughbreds, right? Uh, well, we'll get uh, just one quick thing. I just wanted to mention this cool name drafted. Uh, oh, yeah, that yeah. you mentioned to us, um, the Bengals signed undrafted free agent receiver out of Nebraska named Stanley Morgan. Yeah. You might recall this <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Morgan Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> and and Mike, Mike sends me this note, and I'm like, Stanley Morgan? He used to play for the Patriots. This is Stanley Morgan Jr., his yep. kid. Yep. Paul, you remember Stanley I Morgan? Do. He was a terrific player. Great player. the Steve Grogan Patriots yes. of the... 70s and 80s. I want right? to say 80s. I want to say war number 86. I, think I can right. look this up, but Please it's more do. fun. It's more fun thinking about this stuff. Mike, Until Mike can, looks it up. Mike, you can fact check this. Stanley Morgan, I believe, and he's in the Patriots Hall of Fame. He was yeah, like he was leading a receiver. really, really good player. It was, was he teammates with Irving Fryer? Yes, Did I was they, just going to tell oh, you. Nice. It was Morgan and Fryer were uh, when Bledsoe and the, they got waxed by the Bears. Weren't they the starting receivers? Oh, that's a good question. He played. Tw- he played 12 years yes. in New England and then finished in, in Indy. Wow, he's a great player. Nice career. It's great player. So look out for his kid with the Cincinnati Bengals. We certainly hope that he will sign with Morgan Stanley. There just seems to be way too much <laughs> yeah, symmetry there. that's got to be done I there. I like it. And we thank Morgan Stanley, Smith, Barney, LLC. Uh, was Barney Smith drafted or signed by? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's many Barneys floating around anymore. <laughs> All right, just just curious. We there. did have Josh <laughs> Allen's drafted with the seventh pick in back-to-back years, yeah, by the that way. Was... That's that is cool. That's cool. All right, Kentucky, listen, well, we close with Kentucky Derby, all right? Spend some money. Yeah, I, I love betting the, the Derby and the uh, Triple Crown races. It's really, you know, I'll bet those three, and if there's any money left over, then I bet, like, you know, the the harness races. <laughs> I was going to say, coin toss at the Super Bowl. No. I hit the trifecta on the Preakness a couple of years ago. Nice. Yeah, it was nice. I know who nice. you're betting on. I know who you're personal favorite in this race is going to be you do bourbon war oh of course yes <laughs> well he's a long shot bourbon war right i mean then was he bourbon war 75 to 75 one. to one yeah but th- listen this is how if you're if you're going to bet a horse race and there's a huge field yeah that, the one thing about the kentucky deer where you have a huge field mm-hmm. right um omaha beach is the favorite yeah. at four to one odds maximum security at five to one along with roadster at five to one and improbable, improbable. Winner, yeah, right. they're 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 close. And then you have it's a tighter field than normal. I think at yes. least to start the week. We'll it's see pretty. What they say it's pretty. Despite those horses having, as I say, it's pretty open. But listen, if you want to win, yeah, 
and win big. You got you got you got to hit take an underdog, right? You've got to hit trifectas, right? right? You can hit an exacta box, mm-hmm. but you got to you got to invest a little money here with this wide open field, and you cannot you cannot bet the favorite to win. And right, put them, but put them in the top three generally, right? Correct. Yeah, correct. This is the way it was explained to me. If you, if you're going to bet, bet a, a trifecta, take uh, the favorite combination of the favorites, mm-hmm. right? And you bet them to finish second. I like it. And you bet. Maybe the field, uh, you know, the field aside from those guys to finish first. All right, so here's my card. So I, I've I would, got my so card here, Kevin. It, I would take Omaha Beach and like Roadster Maximum Security out of first. Okay. I'd have bet everybody else to finish first. I'd bet those three to finish oh, second. I got gotcha. Then I bet everybody else to finish third. Really? It will cost you some money, but man, so let's say Bourbon War comes in number one. You are going to cash. That's like betting everybody but the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. I know who Robert Rayola, who is oh, he's going to who he's rooting he's, for. he's he's going to bet on tax. You bet he forty is. to one, <laughs> but he'll only do it in a non-tax state. I did a, I did a little uh, different research because I, I saw the forecast is calling for a little a little rain. So I like to look for my mutters. Mutters, oh, I like yes. the mutters. Okay, so mother was I'm a with you. Omaha Beach, <laughs> o- <laughs> Omaha Beach can actually handle the mud. He can handle it, but I'll, okay. I'll put him in the two. I like this. I'll put him in the two. See, w- w- plus Q parfait. Plus Q parfait. Plus Q parfait. Yes, it's right. French for per- ma- master of. I, I forgot. Master of perfection. Maybe I plan on having like a that. parfait Most after perfect. our main course with lunch balls buying us. Listen, fifteen to wait, wait, thirty wait. to one. He's 30, thirty to 30 one. Thirty to one. Best right. mutter in the group. Thirty to one. All right. And then War of Will. Fifteen to one. Dark horse mutter. So I think that's your top three right there. Right. Omaha Beach, Plus Q Parfait, and War of Will. So, well, so wait a second. If You're, it rains. Is it Mike wet. buying us lunch next week if he's wrong about these? No, if he's right, oh. he's going to buy us because he's going to win big. So you're going to trifecta box. I'm going to box them. You're going to box the three. Omaha Beach, Plus Q Parfait, <laughs> and War of Will. That's it. All right. That's my box right there. All right. I'm, I'm going to do the same, and along with some other bets. Um, well, clearly. <laughs> Well, I'm just, listen, you know. I don't know if it's great advice for our fans to uh, bet the entire field. <laughs> well, <laughs> take $2 on every horse. No, it's and not the happens. entire field. It's not the entire field. You're right. I'm just saying, if you want to like win the favorites something in big. Two. The favorites in two make a lot of sense to me, actually. Yes. That makes yeah. a lot of sense that, to me. Listen, this is how I won the Preakness Triple Crown. I bet, I bet, uh, I took the three favorites and put them second. Yeah. And then I bet the field to finish first. And then I had the field to finish third. I like it. You and know, it, it hit because a long shot finished first. And it cost me, and I did it on like a fifty cent, or it was it was low cost. I want to say it cost me. It was like it might have been sixty dollars. Okay, but the win was sure, <clears throat> several sure. hundred, several hundred. You, uh, I'm looking at this long list and feeling bad for the announcers. I'm just kidding. My to. wife's listening. She thinks I lose every horse race. <laughs> I'm feeling bad for the announcers that have a lot of difficult names to. to oh pull God! Out. By the way, which That's brings incredible. me up, which brings me up with one of the all-time great stories. This was a race in the '80s, I think, at Santa Anita, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a it made a national headline where the two horses coming down the stretch were. Who's in front, and I don't know. Yeah, just just picture the stretch call on that yeah. one. Yeah, incredible, classic, incredible. <laughs> All right, uh, I wish I wish Kevin Harlan would call the horse race at some point. Yeah, I do. All right, I, that I, would be cool. I think Kevin Harlan's great, and I just think I can see him coming down here and the game winner. There, <clears throat> I got to tell you, there's like, improbable. There's like four horses here I can't pronounce right now. So, uh, what another twist of fate? <laughs> Come That's on, that's all one word. Oh, this is fun. That's Tacitus. Fun. Tacitus. Tycol. 
I like it. All right. Coma. Make sure you watch the Derby. Get into the uh, Sport of Kings. It's pretty cool here. All right, we've had we've had a loaded show for you here. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you hanging in there uh, all the way to the end to hear the horse race. We thank uh, Morgan Stanley Smith Barney and the Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment Group and, of course, Dynasty Owner. Make sure you check that out. All of it at SpotTrack.com. Check out the premium section for Mike Giannetti and Paul Peck. I'm Kevin Sylvester. We'll talk to you next time.